I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. B D M F T B D M F T B D M F T Tell me what you mean to me B D M F T B D M F T B D M F T That's our new intro yeah are, are we starting? Because I'm still smoking. Yep, we're started. Oh, great. Can, can you hear the cars going by in the background? Nope. Wonderful. What year are we on? 2017. Oh, God. So, so much. It's two more Jeez years. Louise. Two, two more years after this. Okay, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm the beard. And I'm the fetty. Disco, disco fetty. Dick so fetty. Dick so fetty. So yeah, we're here to continue to bring you recommendations for top forty pop albums and harsh noise. So I guess that's like what I'm about. I was reflecting upon editing the last episode as to the amount of mainstream releases in it, which is fine. I mean, like what you like. I like what I like, but having been listening to mostly noise lately, it's really tough to single out noise recordings, I think, in part because I mostly buy from the same artists over and over, and I only gave one item per artist for the list, and there are lots of good noise recordings that don't qualify as the best of the decade. So, yeah, it's... I mean, I am a sellout, not that I'm getting paid, but it's just... If only. Yeah, right. It's just why the list isn't as noise-heavy as someone might think if they knew my personal taste. I mean, the joke of it is, lately all I've been listening to now, instead of Gabber, is Fushi Shusha, Incapacitance, Hijokaiden, and Solmania, and most of those bands haven't released an album post-2010, so it's difficult to recommend from the last decade if they haven't done anything although the one difference being I guess Solmania put one out in 2016 which I probably should have included on the list last episode but whatever anyway we're here in 2017 and it's a more electronic oriented list and I'm gonna just jump right in with the first one which is Boy Harsher's Country Girl EP I Missed the original pressing of this on Acetic House, which is a very limited run type label with a lot of hype behind it, or at least it used to be. I don't know that the hype is quite as there. They are one of those noisy electronic labels that had ties to noise music and like cool noise dudes. And it was this big whole thing happening in like Arizona, LA, whatever. I was not close to that scene, but their, their records often sell very quickly and Boy Harsher leading up into their album from last year was getting hotter and hotter so this record sold out pretty much instantly and then was selling for obscene amounts they've now repressed it in these expanded editions i've got the cassette and then i bought the lp which went from like four songs to six songs to eight songs or something like that but honestly the first and original version is the best version it's four songs every song is 100 percent amazing and the third song underwater is easily the best boy harsher song ever like i they have ever? not i mean they ha, they could top it in the future but it is just head and shoulders above every other boy harsher song and i think part of it is because it's very simple but it has an extremely evocative bass oriented synth line it's slow and the vocals are exceptional well they're always exceptional but the lyrics the whole thing, the it all comes together to create a perfect song. So 
I'm not going to spend any more time. Well, the last thing I'll say is that when I saw them live the first time at Johnny Brenda's in Philadelphia, they played the song, I think, second. And I was so relieved because I thought, this is the slow one. They're going to skip it. And then they got it out of the way super early. And I was like, okay, whatever they play after this is gravy because I just heard them play this live. And when I first heard the CP, it was on Spotify, and I just listened to this song over and fucking over and over and over, and I was playing that game Prey, and it was such a perfectly ice-cold soundtrack to an icy game and aesthetic. And without further ado, this is Country Girl by Boy Harsher. Jay's vocals are, to me, at their like most haunting, evocative, but clear. You can hear every word. You can easily understand the lyrics on the first listen. And the thing that the song does for me that I think the best music does, at least for my taste, is it conjures an extremely specific image. And for me, it's like a being in an apartment, a very fancy apartment, bedroom where there are windows that are the entire size of the wall looking out into the city and you're it's as if I'm this just floating camera and I'm looking at this wildly gorgeous woman who's laying in like satin-esque type sheets singing this song about her boyfriend girlfriend whatever significant other who's gone and rain is you know coming down but not in like an intense way just in that way that it filters the light coming through from the city and it's like falling on her who's just sort of slowly moving in these sheets in its own way like water and that's just what I see when I listen to it which is what I the kind of thing I want to see all the time but it's just very like I the first time I heard it I was like that's it gave me that image and it's never left and it's 
it's just like I it just gives me the chills every time I listen to it. Oh, it's it's I can't express my love. And no no cocaine involved. No. Yeah, not at all. The the rest of the CP is definitely more moving. This is the slow track, but that's what makes it so good in part is it's perfectly placed between the faster songs, but the whole brevity really works on their side in this one because they have a limited sound palette palette generally and here it never outstays its welcome and nothing ever feels repetitive because you just get four songs each has their own unique elements and style tempo the whole nine yards but this is the masterpiece so that is boy harsher's country girl very nice the the next one is this was a tough decision for me Linecraft has released many good albums many excellent albums but i kind of like this one the most because it was one of the first albums i got from him when we did our initial trade but it also shows a real evolution in his style from his earlier very like much harsher much louder works where there's really loud aggressive metal banging clanging industrial stuff on top of damaged textures and samples and everything else into something that's much more restrained, much more about the sounds themselves. There's a like a lot of rhythmic elements, but not in a pounding sort of a aggressive high tempo way, but just in this like classic Vivenza music concrete meets industrial type sounding thing going on. And there's not a lot of strict industrial artists from Japan in the first place. There's tons of noise artists and some small section of Parlotronics, but industrial is like, feels very underrepresented in the country. And Linecraft has come and just sort of cleaned it all up and said like, here I am, I am the best at this. And he, he's got a, a bit of a pedigree anyway, so it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. But right. so this, the, the album is called Apocalypse Factory. It was released on Austrian label, All Sought. And it's a CD release. It is really, really, really good. And I'm going to play, I'm going to play a clip from Public Bondage, which is got a particularly tasty rhythmic element to it. But the whole thing is very damaged. I also listened to this repeatedly while playing through the first third of Near Automata, and that sort of. Uh, industrial but like cybernetic robotic whatever aesthetic was extremely complementary to the sounds of this album so
that gives you a, I think, a fair taste of where that starts to go. It's really the second half of the track. There's this, like, dum 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 dum, kind of back and forth, like rhythmic-y thing. Your beatboxing is magnificent. Thank you, thank you. But I mean, I spoke at length at the end of 2018 about Linecraft's performance at the hospital productions festival and i've posted a very long uh probably two-thirds of the performance to youtube he, he's live it was masterful and way more aggressive than this album is but i really love this album and i pick it out of all the stuff he's put out in the last five years because i think it's the perfect it's all so there's no none of the big long live tracks that sometimes pad out his releases although that's not really a complaint because his live stuff is so good but it's just like a clear it's fully an album it has a very nice flow it reminds me a lot of converters exit ritual which was one of the most like instrumentally important albums in getting me truly into industrial music although that still has a fair amount of like quote distorted disco aspects going on with it whereas linecraft never is disco it's just uh, industrial music in its truest sense and there are specific sounds that are goofy by themselves but in the context of loud banging industrial music work really well and you know you get the, the classic like overused description of oh abandoned factories turning themselves on and echoing into the night like you know there's a reason that those are sort of really lazy descriptions because at it's best industrial music can do that and this is that so right i would say that it's it's not it's not an atypical linecraft album because he's constantly evolving his style and it's it's but it strikes a nice balance between the brutal noise shit that he was doing before this and then the more recent tesco and hospital productions albums that are like surprisingly minimal and broken in the way that they sound. They have their heavy parts, but this is way more physical sounding. Some, especially the hospital LP just sounds like just turning on different tapes at different times. And sometimes it vibes and sometimes it doesn't. I love it because it sounds so fractured and really just, just deeply drenched in industrial, what can I say? What are the the word I'm looking for? Um, like it, solvents that like are are quite literally dissolving the music as you listen to it. But anyway, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about other Linecraft albums. You can really pick up any one though and do yourself a favor if you're into this kind of thing. You know I've gone super hard with this guy since I first started talking to him. I just I bought like everything he's put out since. So yeah, yeah, and it's basically all killer. But yeah, this is the one I would pick. This this is a fucking this is an album for the decade, and yeah, yeah. That's officially your album for the decade. No, 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 no. I'm saying it is an album, (laughs) an album, not the album. I'm gonna talk about another album that's in line with this, Mania, Little Pieces of Violence. So I spoke about it at last year's wrap up. One of the shittiest parts of last year was that Keith Brewer of mania and taint and a million other amazing projects passed away from fucking cancer in november of last year and this was i mean it's hard to say what's a tape versus you know what's a proper album versus a tape album versus you know whatever but this was a proper album on phage and a shitload of copies were pressed i've got one of the nice ones where he did a personalized collage for me uh, like one of the quote art editions, but there's you can get the regular version for super cheap, and it is an amazing album. Some people say that Mania never measured up to Taint. Other people say Mania shits all over Taint. I just say they're two different things. You don't have to compare them. But this album is just what somebody who's been doing things right for 30 years sounds like. Keith never lost his edge and he only ever got better at working with metal and making more with less. And so this album is basically just a master of bashing metal, 
scratching fences and wires these weird fucking awful synth these like very wet kind of like fast and insectoid sounds just pained screams coming out of nowhere and it all it's sparse and awful and not even exciting in some ways like it's it's just really it's surprising to me i mean i guess he probably had cancer for longer than he thought given the way that all played out but it sounds like music made by a sick person which in some ways you could say probably always was but it's just the perfect amount of like fucked up depressing ass like miserable fucking music but also so skillfully done and so simple in some ways that it's only with a tremendous amount of skill that you can make it work because anybody else it would just be a collection of sounds that barely fit together and somehow mania pulls it into a not even a narrative like he you know it's just but i don't know it just becomes something so much greater and then to top it all fucking off he ends it with the last song having this long sample from the movie clute that just works so well on so many levels and it's just oh my god it's like i fucking love that movie and the sample rules and the song is the best song like every song on the album gets better after the other i already talked about it in the year-end list it, and what is 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 clute just the uh german uh name for uh clue no we watched that movie together. It's with Donald I'm, Sutherland and Jane Fonda. And I'm joking. I'm oh, joking. Okay. I'm joking. Obviously, I, I I know that it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's actually <laughs> the German word for clit. So. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna play that last song. I'm now. sorry. I'm just I'm just, in my head. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, baby, rub my clute. Rub my clute. Oh yeah, cluten. Oh my cluten. You like that? fucking German slut. I fucking love it. Alright, let me put this on. master of bad times vibes without having to be resorting to full-blown audio assault although obviously he's a master of that as well if you listen to taint so um but chances are if you're into noise you already know keith brewer or his legacy or have heard taint or mania or the names at the very least if you're into it and you don't know you know know it well get the stuff that's available like there is no bad place to start and this album is a fucking masterpiece and 
I was saying that before he passed, and it's just as true now. This isn't some post-death suck-up bullshit. Like, this is just the real deal master of metal assault. And, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to do a film score, and then I'm going to just sort of hit back-to-back-to-back a couple drum and bass things, because... We've already talked about all of these albums previously, and I don't know that I need to belabor what's already been said many, many times in this podcast. So the the next thing I'm going to talk about is the Blade Runner 2049 motion picture soundtrack by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish. Fuck. Yes. This soundtrack's on here not just because I worship this film, but because it's just that good. I don't... There's not... I think it's a little bit of both. Okay, yeah. Fair, fair. Okay, so Blade Runner is like one of... I'm one of those people that Blade Runner is just my favorite movie. It, My obsession with that film in high school and college and watching it as like a kid when I was, I don't know, not even 10 years old and then watching it a bajillion times since hugely affected what I got into when I got older. And, you know, it just like... it's its influence on my life cannot be overstated and blade runner 20 or well so the first blade runner has that place for a ton of fucking nerds like me some are really cool dudes and some of them are not are you calling me not a cool dude no that's not what i'm saying mr beardo but that that whole movie created my my obsession with fucking cyberpunk so yeah and I think for many, many, many people who had come to love and cherish Blade Runner for all sorts of different reasons, despite that it was a flop initially and yada yada, for all of us, the idea that they would make a sequel seemed like the worst idea ever. And yet, somehow, they not only made a sequel that wasn't terrible, but was amazing and potentially as good as the original film. Of course, this film will never have the impact that, the slow-burning impact, I should say, that the first film had, because, like, it is it is the reason that cyberpunk is a thing, along with Akira, but, like, it's basically Blade Runner. Blade Runner just did, like, all, everything, all internet culture today that's, like, vaporwave, cyberpunk, you know, what like, all that shit is, is Blade Runner. Like, just think Blade Runner... Blade Runner 2049 is just exists in a world that already has all these landmarks, but then at the same time manages to still come up with consistently arresting imagery and an interesting plot and good performances from actors who are like on the verge of death and all that kind of thing. And uh, it's also one of the few movies where you could literally pause it at any point, print it, print out a picture of it and it, it, it it's it's art just yes. no matter what yes that is that is extremely true and there are a, a couple things that i would say make the movie less than perfect but i would also say that's true about the first blade runner and having some slight flaws at the end of the day don't detract my ability to love it but we're here to talk about the soundtrack which happily stands on its own Admittedly, there there are two caveats I make. One is that the soundtrack contains songs from both Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley, and I fucking abhor both of those artists. Just as far as, from a musical sense, I don't want to hear Elvis Presley ever, or Frank Sinatra. From a, like, if I could go back in time and drink with people, they'd probably, especially Frank Sinatra, would be pretty fun. I feel like Elvis would probably be boring, but... I don't know, I feel like Sinatra might be real racist. Yeah, okay, given the current climate, yeah, of course Frank Sinatra's real fucking racist, but, like, if I wanted to get hammered and beat women, like, he would probably be a fun guy to do it with, I guess, but... Well, yeah, if you want to get hammered and beat women, of course. Right. But I don't want to hear their shit in the midst of, like, the most... Well, not the most, but in the midst of incredible electronic music, I don't want to hear Elvis and Frank Sinatra. And a big part of why they're on the soundtrack is because Sony... um, put this movie out in part or whatever like that's how they got the rights so they used it and it's used to effect in the film but I don't want to hear it when I'm listening to the goddamn soundtrack so that's not even taken into consideration for this recommendation the second thing is that while the 
whole soundtrack is easy to listen to with those songs removed and flows much like electronic albums that are not track based but rather album based it definitely does have songs that stand above and beyond because they're fully fleshed out compositional pieces and because they're just more active but like these types of albums go they're often listened to best altogether. but I, I the thing that i really love about this soundtrack too is that unlike goblin or fabio fritzi or a lot of the other types of scores that we tend to listen to this is an album and feels like an album and if it wasn't blade runner's 2049 soundtrack i probably wouldn't be as aware of it but if i had heard it i'd think this is a good album much in the way that like raleigh porter's experimental work is whereas fabio fritzi and goblin just don't really make albums they just throw a bunch of tracks together that are going to be like brutally sliced and thrown in and out of you know italian horror films so and also super funky yes true so that is all all that being said it's if you've seen blade runner 2049 then i'm sure you were and you like electronic music then you're probably stoked on this already if you haven't seen and if you haven't you're an idiot well, yeah, but you should just go see the movie first and like watch it when you can actually watch it and sit down for three hours rather than be interrupted a million times. And for those without kids, that's probably a lot easier. I've been dying to watch this movie, that movie recently, and just haven't really... Well, it's not true. I've had a chance, but I just... It's a commitment, you know? Yeah, it's a long film, and it... It's, um, I don't think of it in any way, like to me, I saw it in theaters four times, so I did not have a problem with it's the length of it or the pacing of it. It felt like a, a hour and a half in some ways. And being that it's just consistently good, I never wanted it to end. And they somehow managed to make a score live up to a movie that long. So I give them points for that. So I want to mention a couple songs from the score before I pick the one to play. The, and also I appreciate there are some nods to the original score by Vangelis or Vangelis or however it's said. I've always said Evangelis, but I like Vangelis. There are not that many, they, they don't overdo it. Whereas there are parts in the movie where they give a little too much fan service to the first movie and I'm like, shut the fuck up. But in the, in the score, they just do just the right amount. And it mostly comes up at the end. But there is a song called Joy, which is amazing. And the scene it's in is like probably the best scene in the whole movie. And then there's a song called Hijack that's also really awesome. But the song that I love the most of them all is the 10-minute epic called Seawall, which is sort of at the climax of the film. And I'm obviously not going to play a 10-minute song to completion, but I want to play a little bit of it and it, it sort of goes through all the different cool parts of this soundtrack and really how the two artists that composed it, uh, Benjamin Fleisch and Hans Zimmer, like sort of they're showing how their um, two styles convalesce the best all shows up in this song. So I'm going to play just, the 10 minutes, you pussy. Yeah. So I'm going to play this for a little bit, but this is, this is the one where if I just want to, feel like I heard the whole soundtrack and only listened to one song, this is the one to pick.
Okay. So, yeah. It's... I don't want to... So, spoiler alert. No, I just won't even talk about the scene. But, yeah, that song... Don't, why would you do that? What? Don't don't even think about it, Frank. Yeah. That would be cowardly. Be sick. But... It's just a killer soundtrack, but it, it's above that. Like, it's a killer album. It's really... I love it. And, I mean, yes, it's hugely because I fucking love Blade Runner and I love Blade Runner 2049. So, but I will say that I it was, the past couple of years I've been listening to a lot of more modern scores because the one for the Chernobyl series, the one for Sicario, the score for Revenant, the score for this, and the score for Annihilation are all really good and walk the line of experimental electronic music and kind of more classic symphonic-y type scores to, and, you know, each of them sort of drift into one thing or another. The uh, the score for Annihilation is also really, really, really fucking good, so. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that movie, too. Yeah, that movie's sick. But, you got any thoughts on that? Anything you want to say? I mean, you. There's, there's not much I can say. It's probably my favorite movie I've seen in many years. Sure. Um, and also, possibly the best soundtrack I've heard in years. I mean, it's just like I love Blade Runner. I don't know if I love as much as you. Maybe I do. Who the fuck knows? Doesn't. Not the point, right? But I love Blade Runner. I love anything cyberpunk aesthetic. Um, from, you know, uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 coming out in a couple months to, um, I don't know if you watched, uh, oh, fuck it, I can't even remember the name of the series. There's a Netflix series that was really good. Altered Carbon? Uh, Altered Carbon, yes. Loved that series. Yeah, I never watched that. Um, very fun. Very, uh, very good. But um, this... For me, this the like this series is possibly the perfect representation of cyberpunk to me, and like is what I base all all like my, my cyberpunk uh, aesthetic on. I guess. Yeah, that's what everybody bases it on. I mean, it's one of those things where the original Blade Runner is given so much homage that it's basically cheap and it's the shorthand way to say cyberpunk and the lazy man's you know way in that sense and in its own way has i feel like lessened the impact of the film but it also took years for that to happen and i feel like i was lucky enough to see it so young and to sort of grow like develop such a fondness for it before that had really started happening. I mean, there are references to it all the way back to the original Fallout games and things like that, which, you know, came out 15 years after its release. But anyways, we could go talking about the legacy of Blade Runner forever. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I may or may not have been uh, pricing out um, all of uh, Decker's clothes the other day on a certain website that I bought screen accurate uh, uh makes of uh tailored clothing so anyway yeah you don't want to do that anymore i think unless you're a con goer at this point walking around with deckard's jack it's just yeah you're old enough to be able to do it but you're also old enough to know you probably don't need to do that so i don't need to but i'm also in my 30s now don't give a shit fair enough fair enough okay so we're gonna along those lines we're gonna talk about some more electronic music, but again, like I said, stuff I've this is stuff I've talked about before. I'm gonna talk about these albums together: Overlook, Smoke Signals, UVB76, Triple LP Set, Pessimist, Self-Titled Record on Blackest Ever Black, LP and CD. These are they're not even like two sides of the same coin. They're like just two halves of the same half of the coin or same side of the coin practically. Uh, it's young drum and bass producers who are coming up with creepy dark shit that nah but that's not fair it's it's yes it's creepy it's dark but it's drum and bass that says okay we totally love jungle music we totally love drum and bass before us but what if we made drum and bass bleh, drum and bass <laughs> music that wasn't just for the club 
but good for home listing. And everybody's like, dude, drum and bass producers have been doing that for 20 years. They're like, yeah, but what if we did it better? And then they did it better. Oh, and then and also, I was like, what? Yeah, and then they're like, we want to throw in like a, a, an understanding and, a, and acknowledgement of current bass music trends in the UK generally and a, and a love for techno-influenced minimalism. And everybody was like, fucking sick. So Overlook is the way closer to Fotech slash SourceDirect because... He has, I think it's, especially earlier Fotech, not the earliest Fotech, but the Modus Operandi, Hidden Camera, and Form and Function compilation, where there's this jazzy aspect, this love. Here it's not so much a love of samurai shit, and it's way more a love of Lost Highway, specifically David Lynch, but David Lynch generally, taking the place of aesthetically, whatever. But it's this these... Typically interesting breaks, interesting bass lines that are not about distorted rave bass lines, Reese's and shit like that, but like more like just true bass sounds and structures that are not about following your typical intro, big drop, build up, second drop, outro. It's whatever the track wants to be and where it wants to go, but then also being so good that it could be more of a club track. And Pessimist is similar, but way more ultra-reduced techno, dub techno, influenced on his sound, an inky blackness, murkiness, especially in the first half of the album, and then the second half of the album. I I swear to God, it sounds like Chiastic Slide by Autiker at times, but maybe that's because I've just listened to that. I don't know. And it also reminds me of the first Half-Life in a certain sense. And Mm. so it immediately gets humongous points for that. But the weirdest thing I think about both albums is that the guest appearances are the least exciting parts other than CERN's track with Overlook on his album, which is one of the highlights. But they're sort of in... They feel almost more mainstreamy, even though the artists they're working with aren't mainstream. But... They're 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 good. They're just a little disappointing. Overlook's turn on Pessimist album like doesn't sound like either of them, or it sounds like a a less interesting version of what they both do separately. But that isn't to say the songs are bad. It's just you know when I got both albums, I was like, oh shit, this guy's on this one, and then I played. I was like, oh okay, well I guess so. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just amazing, and they they. In my opinion, as somebody who's been trying to follow all of this shit since about 2016, when I got really back into drum and bass, which I talked about last time, indicate like there is a new way to do this that understands the old way, but says like we can do better, we can make more interesting music. We do not have to be stuck to all the guidelines, to all the the you know the sort of bible of drum and bass production. Throw that shit out the window. Let's do some cool stuff. And they've continued to make awesome music since, too. They haven't been one-hit wonders. And UVB76 is, like, the ultimate fertile ground for incredible drum and bass production. And I've just reviewed basically every record they've put out since. And Pessimist, I have not heard all of the things he's done. Some of them sound very interesting to me. Some of them a little bit less so. Now he's doing a thing called Sad Boy or something like that and i'm like really sad boy yeah like it's or soft boy i think it's called and it just feels too i can get behind but it feels it feels too memey to me like i don't need like memes in my music you know but i haven't heard it so i'm not going to try to judge that book by the cover too much the unfortunate thing is that smoke signals i think is the first pressing is way long gone i'm pretty sure it's selling for triple digits now and that's a bummer if you don't have it on vinyl. But you snooze, you lose, nerd. And Pessimist album, I think, is still pretty widely available. Specifically, Pessimist has this song great. I've, again, I've talked about it many times. That fucking... That, that song is so good. It's just five minutes of, you nailed it. You fucking nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. And then the song that immediately follows it called Spirals is also like, oh shit. And I, the... That album reminds me a lot of Shifted's under 
what is it under a black flag i believe it's called under a yeah under a black flag his second album on bed of nails which is techno but he used to be a drum and bass producer and so it kind of shows up in a weird way and all that kind of a thing but i don't need to really belabor this i guess well duh let me play a sample i'm gonna play grip for a second by pessimist <laughs> a doi doi and then I'm going to, I'll jump into an Overlook sample, just so you guys can wet your ears, and then we'll move on to the last two things, so. It just does that thing where, you know, good techno it makes does. It pee hard. Yeah, well, obviously, but it just, it builds, you know, brings in the elements as, you know, techno, drum bass. I mean, all like, all this kind of dance music sort of does the same thing where they just keep building and adding stuff in. But the synth, when it hits, it's like that and just, it starts to peek out and then he brings it back in and it, it it's those those little few moments where it really comes to a head and oh man it just leaves you wanting more the whole time and you get this clanging percussion and it's like the fucking drum patterns are interesting unlike 90% of a genre that I still worship it just thank you that's what I want hell yeah so on the flip side I will show you overlook this is into the night the song with cern and this is another one. It's it's very different, but also very similar, and it's it's fucking exceptional. the difference pessimist is an infinite infinitely sparser sound but they both have a inky blackness to them that is just what you want in your well just what i want in my drum and bass 
and that whole you've got like the like the smoky sax you know going in parts and the just the nature of the much more natural sounding drums rather than like very programmed techno-y drums these are very much right. more breakbeat like played live type of a thing that's all over overlook's work and some of it sometimes it gets more into like straight up on territory or like you know um more clearly processed drums but this is that that song reminds me so much of what Fotech or Source Direct were doing, but with less of the tethers of the genre that those guys were creating in the first place. But yeah, it's just uh, second to none. I mean, that album is fucking a masterpiece. So yeah, Daddy, uh, Daddy likes Overlook. Daddy likes Overlook a lot. Yeah, yeah, we 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 played a fair amount of Bloodborne and listened to that too. Yeah, well, I was um, before we opened the store back up. I was <laughs> I was walking around, uh, listening to Overlook, like on on speakerphone, at work, and I just felt real uh, spooky and cool. Nice. And then uh, one of my managers was like, "Hey, use your headphones," and I was like, "Okay." So I have one album. I had a couple other on my list, but I've. I look at them and think they're really exceptional, but I just don't... I don't think they make the cut. And this one I'm going to cover now is a very late entry. I only became aware in a meaningful way of this artist a month ago, if that. And I had to concede immediately that this album was not only fantastic, but it's an important album for the decade, which isn't my criteria in doing this list, but... Had I heard it in 2017, I would have been bumping it from then until now anyways. So, Charlie XCX, I know that she was a big normal pop star, and this album is part of what changed her over into weirdo, sort of avant-garde, but still very much pop star, pop star. And it's more the Vroom Vroom EP that came out the year before, that was like, oh wait, everything's changing. But then she did this pop to sort of mixtape slash album that never got an official release, but you can still buy the digital copy from the label. So I guess it got an official digital release, but it's it's uh, all done by PC Music producers. So Sophie's on it and a bunch of the other ones, all who have kind of blown up a little bit before 2017, but also since then. This was, I think, I guess when they were at the height of their powers. These other guys that are responsible for Hannah Diamond who my love has been made very known. But it sure has. <laughs> Charlie is, whereas other PC music stuff sounds like they're trying to manufacture, they've got like the chops to make the pop songs, but they don't have the pop personalities, at least to the level they want. Hannah Diamond is amazing. I love her very much, but she's not as developed as some of these artists who have come out of the actual machine and Charlie XCX who's been recording and I think got her first deal at 14 she she's like she's just got a lot more going into this I think than anybody else would and turns what's already a set of like wildly bizarre fucked up sounding tracks into next level future pop shit like this should be the soundtrack to cyberpunk whatever that game is called 2049 or what is it 2077 70 2077 okay yeah this could be on that very easily should i would not be shocked if her music was on there of all the charlie xcx stuff i've heard since getting into her head over heels a month ago especially compared to her album from last year. This is just 10 songs, and there's no bad song on on it. The third song is this slow torch ballad, which I don't really understand, but it's fine, and it, it sort of kills the momentum early on, which annoys me, but I also... It just gets me revved up for the next thing. The first song is a duet with Carly Rae Epson, so I was kind of doomed from the start. But as much as that song is amazing and it's really, really, really amazing, I want to play the song out of it or after it called Out of My Head, which has two other guests on it, but it's just so 
fucking infectious and I wish I could get it out of my head but I can't I the only thing I can really do right now is blast Japanese noise but anyways you guys I mean that's nothing new for you though I know I know I know I know I know so anyways this is out of my head by Charlie XCX from pop 2 dig this just played the whole song there because that seemed like the right thing to do yeah no i was uh now upset that the podcast is started again because that was that was fun um i don't know if it's more fun than the podcast but i think it's pretty close yeah yeah it's it's a it's a killer album i mean it's like i said there's a torch song right after this which is weird but then it's all just intensely saccharine is not even right it's it's like hmm i don't know i don't have a good analogy it's just some wild pop music 
and it's surprisingly noisy for quote pop music you know in the way that pc music is so maximalist and it's it's like vocal trance from the early 2000s meets insane glitch shit meets like the crystal structure of methamphetamine you know in a blender created by androids ghost in the shell part two whatever i don't know something like that (laughs) so yeah i think she's she's got a hell of a voice and with that voice a real feeling of personality much like schoolboy q that i talked about last episode where she can just carry stuff on the strength of that alone her her wide range of inflections really it's really good shit and the fucking duets with carly ray i was like oh my god yeah okay and i yeah so 2017 was good there was a a lot of good records like i said there's even a couple on my list i'm not gonna actually do and i feel like 2000 jesus well there's no amount there's no end to the amount of good music anymore we really are so blessed by the insane amount of music available to us in any format and I'm just really grateful to be living in these days. It's you know our biggest problem is there's too much shit vying for our attention, even if you're just talking about music, and that's such a luxury problem to have. So yeah, there's just too much good uh, media to intake at this point. Yeah, true. So that's all I really got for tonight, partner. Boo! Give me more. All right. Go on. No, I got nothing. Oh, fuck you. All right, well, uh, I guess that's all Dick Fetty has for us this week. Uh, I guess we got one more episode of this. uh, Yeah, it'll be just one more. And uh, that's going to be a four-hour episode. um, And you guys have to deal with it. Uh, Or don't listen. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting doing these episodes via Zoom call now because... uh, I get to be like in a in a reclined, comfortable position as I'm listening uh, listening to this stuff with headphones in. So it's I I kind of forget <laughs> that you're on the other line and you're like then the music gets slow and you're like yeah so and I'm like oh, what uh, what <laughs> so yeah well I'm just sweating my balls off and I am ready to take a dump so <laughs> you're, you're a coward true. But all right, well, that's all we got, guys. So uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna we'll, go. We'll see you next week for a regularly scheduled, uh, you know, Fetty. whatever the fuck name of this podcast. Motel, Mo- Motel Brow. Yeah. Sorry, it's way past my bedtime. All right, guys. Later, nerds. Later, nerds.